that's a pretty good one. <laughs> I have to tell you, I was, I, you know, I ran over to Duke to have my knee procedure mm. last week. Mm-hmm. As I was, so, you know, you talked about setting intentions for the mm-hmm. day and everything. And mm-hmm. so I have been trying to set intentions for the day. And my intention for that day was something about just seeing the beauty in the world around me mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and in people. Ah, uh, um, good that you included them. <laughs> <laughs> and so went over there and you know what it's like in a healthcare oh, setting, et cetera. Shit. But hey, you used to work there. But yeah, I know. But um it was it was uh, everything went very well. Uh, and I appreciated people uh, and the way that they they helped, et cetera. Appreciated the technologies. They're showing me the inside of my knee and mm. all of that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, so on the then uh, drove home. And as I was leaving, it was rush hour, and so was trying to take some back roads and everything to get home. And uh, on one of the back roads, uh, there's a horse farm on my left. And so I'm looking over there, and uh, as I turn my head back to look at the road ahead of me, I see something move out of the corner of my eye. Mm-hmm. And so I look over because it's in kind of the easement area. Right. And, you know, I'm my immediate thought was, okay, is something about to run into the road or whatever? There was, and I have never seen this before in my life, and I swear I had no drugs at the, at the, at the hospital. Cap, they, they, Cap, they don't have to tell me. They didn't put anything other than cortisone in you. Uh, not even that. So um, there was a white peacock. And as I approached it, it spread its tail feathers. And I have never in my life seen a white peacock before. And it was interesting because it was actually the lack of color that was so startling and beautiful mm-hmm. uh, as I mm-hmm. saw that. And it, it got me to thinking. So here's my, and why did it get you to thinking? <laughs> well, I felt first, but this, you know, me, I, I nodded here. Go ahead. Almost every week I try to share with you some revelation that has come through meditation or whatever. And this was this was my revelation. And I have no idea if it's a true revelation or not. But I started thinking, you know, you set this intention this morning and you see this beautiful thing in the world. And I started thinking, okay, you know, Oprah has told us that uh, when we want something, just put it out there and the universe will give it to us. And I said, I don't know that I believe that, but this is what I do know. That when we start our day with an intention to be kind or to see beauty in the world, suddenly we're more aware. Suddenly we notice the kindness in others. We notice the beauty in the world around us. And so it's not that the universe is providing anything more than it ever did before. It's that we're awake to recognizing it. Oh, we're looking for something different. Yeah. 
I usually go around the world going, oh, this is fine, leave it alone. 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 Oh, there's something wrong with this. And right there, I had just had five fine things go by, but I stick with the one thing that I think might have just a little something wrong with it. And I put my 100% focus, not on appreciating all the things that just went right, but on the one thing that I think I could improve or should be different than it is. And right there, I get stuck because it won't cooperate with me. Not really as quickly as it needs to, in my opinion. I just want it to change to the way I wanted it to be and then move on. The world goes, who do you think you are? I go, yeah, well, I guess I'll just move on. So I don't pay attention to that either. So I stopped where I thought something was wrong. The world said, what's wrong with me? And I said, eh, well, okay, I'm, I don't care. I'm just going to move on. If you don't see what's wrong with you, I'm not going to tell you. So I keep going around, walking past all the things that are going right, looking for what's going wrong, feeling ineffective when I try to speak to what I think is going wrong, because the way I'm approaching it is from a place of judgment, not a place of curiosity, not a place of openness and wonder. I'm approaching it from a place of judgment. The judgment is, that's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. I don't know how I got to be such a judge, but I do it. Every thought is a judgment. Every single thought of mine is a judgment. That's why I want to stay, from, stay away from judging. Uh, when I call something something, like a tree, I say, that's a tree. I believe that it's a tree, and I ask a Frenchman, what's that? And he says another sound that I don't hear tree in there. And I say, well, that's whatever he called it. That's not what it is. It's a tree. And so we start arguing over a word. The thing doesn't change. So this is how we argue about ideas. I say it's this. You say it's that. In your language, that's what it is. When you say love, this is what you mean by it. When I say love, this is what I mean by it. Let's argue. <laughs> so this is a, uh, a perfect place to jump into the episode this week because it, the episode that we're going to do this week, Charlie, has to do a little bit with that judging mentality. And before we jump into it, I just want to say, you know, what you – laid out what you just defined, that almost innate need to judge things and then put them out there. What you see as a fault in human behavior, there's a lot of people that saw that as an opportunity to build social media empires and by God, they've done it. They've done it. So, mm -hmm. all right, let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's, are you all ready to get started? Oh, for sure. I thought we had. Nope, not yet, but here we go. All right, here we go. Hello and welcome to the Thinking Not Podcast. I'm Cap and I'm here with Charles. Love is in the air. <laughs> it's Love your, it's, is it's in the air. Nice. Birds are laying eggs. Bees are pollinating. So what better time to talk about love than right here, right now? Today, we're going to talk about loving yourself so that you can love others more fully. Sound good to you, Charlie? We'll give it a good shot. Yep. Okay. 
We're ready. We hope you're ready to wake up, be present, and explore self-forgiveness with us for the next 45 minutes or so. Let's grab a cup of coffee and chat. The Thinking Knot is a podcast developed to help those who are trying to become better, a little bit better today than yesterday. It is an honest dialogue about the real life challenges we each encounter as intention meets obstacle in the course of an every day. In our conversation, we weigh rational thought against our gut feeling of what is right, and we forge a path together using what is in our hearts if we can all just awaken and get into rhythm with that beat. Thanks for joining today's discussion. All right, Charlie, it's my turn to share an activity with you, something that I use sometimes to help people understand the power of letting go of mistakes. And I thought, as you did in a recent podcast where we start the uh, the podcast with an activity, I thought I would do something similar today. So as you know, I do a little bit of consulting work in a couple of fronts, but um, one that I enjoy probably more than any other is around corporate culture and how to build healthy companies by building healthy humans first. And in that work, I occasionally will use a hobby of mine, which is magic, to uh, help make a point. And I've I've found that a moment of wonder can really open people up, both to new ideas and new ways of thinking, but also just taking a kind of a different look at how they've thought of something uh, before. So I'm going to do a little psychological magic for you today. Now, you showed me last week that video and podcasts uh, can work really well. And so that inspired me to do something even more alienating for our audience this week. <laughs> I'm going to try and do a magic trick. Uh, through sound and sound alone. So uh, a little bit risky, but I'll try and talk the audience through what uh, so they can kind of envision what it is that we're doing here. So let's get started. I'm really excited. I've never done a, a, any magic for you before. So uh, this is this will be fun. I'm sitting here just listening. I had no idea this was happening. So dear audience, I am absolutely as clueless as you are as to what comes next. <laughs> Well, the topic today is around self-forgiveness, and most of us have things that haunt us, that we allow to keep popping back up, either something that we've done, something someone has done to us that has hurt, some regret. And it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day. We'll pay exterminators to come and rid us of pests in our house. We'll pay the lawn care people to come and take care of weeds. Some people will even hire shamans or spiritualists to come and get rid of bad karma or evil spirits. And yet many of us don't take steps to fix the things that are really bothering us. Those mental blocks that kind of stand between us and happiness. That's a little bit of what we're about to to. to uh, do a demonstration on today. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to take a trip to the letting go field. 
All right. All right. See if we can move past some of the regret. Now, <clears throat> understand that this is not going to work as well for you as it may work for somebody who has done less introspection, less less healing. So play along with me a little bit today. Perhaps think back to a time when you weren't quite so put together uh, as as you are right now. Okay, so what I have for you, Charlie, is I have created a an opportunity for you to create your own story. I have a create your own adventure that uh, we're going to do together to kind of help us explore letting go. And it's important to know before we start that if any point you're uncomfortable with any of this, just let me know and uh, we'll stop the story early. Now, because a lot of the consulting that I do is through Zoom, uh, I created this choose your own adventure on a website so that People can follow along as we build the story. So give me a second to pull it up. And sometimes I'll have the person do it first. And sometimes we'll actually build the story together. Uh, And before we start, there are a few suggestions here. So the first is just say, and you don't need, I'll read this to you. We'll we'll pull this a little closer. That's all right. Um, But you don't need to necessarily read it. We're looking at a computer screen now. And couple of suggestions. So say the first thing that pops into your head, don't try and overthink it. There are no wrong answers. So we're building a story and in building the story, I'm going to be asking you some questions and don't try and decide what the right or wrong answer might be. Just there are no wrong answers. Oh, just watch. Be honest with yourself (laughs) as you always are. If there's a wrong answer out there, I'm going to find it. And keep an open mind, which I know for you comes naturally. So, So all right. You ready to start? Sure, why not? Okay, here we go. Uh, And right now we are looking at a website. I'm going to do a little bit of reading to Charlie. And so, Charlie, I ask you to just kind of try and put yourself in this story a little bit that we're creating. You wake up in a field with no idea of how you got there. You have no idea what city you're in or even what country. In fact, as you search your memory for some clue, you realize you don't even know your own name or who you are. There are no buildings in sight, but you can hear what sounds like a wild animal in the distance. There's one thought prodding you, a vague, indistinct memory of an issue or unpleasant feeling. Now, I'd like you to take a minute and... Close your eyes and think about an aspect of your life that's preventing you from feeling content or happy right now in this moment. When you've done that, now I want you just to picture yourself in this field. You hear the animal a little bit closer now, making its call. You can feel the vegetation beneath you. You sense the temperature of the air and the weather around you. Really picture it in your mind. And tell me, on a scale from 1 to 10, with 10 being vast, how big is the field you're in? 10. What's the condition of the field? Natural. Is it, when you say natural, is it? It's unkempt uh, to my eye. It hasn't been uh, groomed by anything that looks intelligent. It looks like it's just organically growing. Okay. 
And does it look healthy? Does it look? Oh, it looks like it's a mixed bag. Some things are dying. Some things are blooming. Some things are some things. Okay. What's the weather like? I don't need uh, many clothes. So I would say mild. Okay. And sunny. Okay. With some clouds. Because I don't want sunscreen. (laughs) Sorry. You don't have a name that you can remember. Do you give yourself a name? Nah. I don't even know what I am. How can I call me? All right. The voice in your head slowly doles out more details. Where about... did that come from? <laughs> slowly doles out more details about one specific memory, something that's gnawing at you and making you feel a little upset, something that you can't forget, even with amnesia deleting every other memory, something you wish you could let go of. You feel like there's something you're supposed to be doing. So you check your pockets. As you check them, pocket after pocket is empty. You have nothing on you. And then you feel something scratching your ankle. You look in your sock and you find a piece of folded paper. On the outside of that packet is written the title Memory Map. You unfold it and see it is indeed a map of sorts, a guide you left yourself to find something that you have to take care of, some unresolved bit of business. But instead of feeling excitement, you feel a touch of nausea and dread. On the map, there's a very distinctive-looking tree drawn with an X on the paper beneath the tree. So you stand up and look around. You don't see a tree, but you see two backpacks about 10 feet away. You go and Take a look at them, and the contents of both are the same. Some water, some snacks, a compass. The backpacks appear to be identical, except one is red and one is blue. They're both heavy, and you realize you can only carry one. Which backpack do you take? Neither. You have to take one. Uh, You're going to need the supplies. Why do I need a backpack? (laughs) All right. I know what a metaphoric backpack is in your mind, but uh, well, this is a literal one that you're going to need. How do I even know that? Anyways, I'm playing along, and I'm, and, and, and I'm not playing nicely, apparently, because he's looking at me like, just answer the question. All right, blue. All right. How do I even know what the name of the color is? But see, these are choices the we have is. to make to advance the story. I get it. I get it, but you're dealing with things that, I shouldn't know. Like, what is the color blue? I can only say one is different well, you're, than the other. Well, you just have I some memory say, loss. It's not like you're, I mean, you're a human. Uh, yeah, but I don't, I'm not born knowing what colors are. Don't you know that we teach each other what colors are? <laughs> okay, so you have a little bit of amnesia, but you still remember the basic uh, physics of the world. Okay, and, okay well, I'm, okay. okay, I'm glad I'm clarifying <laughs> Sorry. I have to say, out of all the times I've done this, yeah. <laughs> never has anyone question I'm that so they know sorry. the physics of the world. But okay. I'm so sorry. That tells us a lot about it. does. All right. I don't want to like presume things when I'm supposed to not know anything. Okay. Not my name, not where I am, <laughs> not what I did. But I know the color red. Okay. You do. So you I know chose the color blue. Red, and you chose blue. Okay. All right. You hear the wild animal again. What? type of animal do you think it is? No, I have no idea. I don't even know if it's an animal. I hear a sound. <laughs> Help me here. You remember that there are such a thing as animals. Okay. This animal is non-threatening and 
um, curious. A mouse? No. More like, um, hmm. Be curious and non-threatening. Maybe a cat. Okay. Not a big cat. Taking the compass out of the backpack, you start out walking, just picking a direction based on what feels right. In what direction do you start walking? Well, if I'm going with what feels right, I put the compass away. Because that's not a feeling. (laughs) Okay, so you don't look at the compass. You start walking a direction, right. and later you pull the compass out and see what direction it is that you're walking in. What looks is like that? I'm going north. Okay. I like how you do these workarounds. They're good. <laughs> They're good. Thank you. From a scale of 1 to 13, how many kilometers do you walk before you see the tree pictured on your map? Two. I'm never far from where I need to be. You walk, and as you near that distance, you see a single tree ahead. As you hike closer to the tree, you notice two things about it. The rich red leaves and varied shapes that you've never seen before, and the unstructured network of the pitch black trunk and limbs and patterns that are fascinating in their randomness. Which feels more interesting to you? Yes, but I can only look at one at a time, so I will probably alternate, which is more fascinating. I would imagine the dancing colors are more fascinating to me at first. Okay, red leaves it is. You get to the tree. Which of the following do you see there? A bright, shiny gemstone or a heart-shaped picture frame with a picture of someone you vaguely recognize? Oh, I'll go for the picture of somebody in a heart frame. You pick up the frame and examine it. On the back of the frame is an X identical to the X on your map. What do you do? This is what I do. Okay. And this is not like in theory. This is what I actually do. If I come upon a tender memory or a tender moment and I still have some energy around it, I sit with it. I don't try to understand it. I try to feel it. What is this? And then if I want to take it with me, I'll put it in my backpack and take it along because I'll probably want to take it out later and feel about it some more. And as I continue to look at it tenderly and ask about it openly, it will reveal what it means to me. Okay, and it does. It does. It does? Yes. Holy moly. (laughs) Because I'm going to advance this dang story. (laughs) It's not meaningless meandering. So as as you're sitting there and reflecting... The, uh, the back of the picture frame falls off. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Is there a nudie in there? <laughs> you open up the back of the frame and okay. see something written on the back of the picture. It's son- signed by someone whose name you suddenly recognize. And with that recognition is the memory of some hurtful thing you've been holding on to. It comes flooding back to you and the tears now come with that memory. Through watery eyes, you read the message above the signature. It's a short message, just seven words. I'm sorry. Now let it go. So we're going to stop here and explore what it is that we've done. We've created a story that's more meaningful than it appears at first. Sometimes our subconscious mind leads us in directions that we don't immediately 
understand consciously. This is a story about memory and how memories are important, but also how they can damage. We all fear losing our memory, and yet how many of us would pay handsomely to be able to forget memories of being foolish or even hurtful? Why is it that we remind ourselves of these negative memories more than the positive memories of us being thoughtful and kind? The symbols in the story come from psychological research, dream interpretation, and our own culture. And so, Charlie, we're going to take a look at what they tell us about you. Oh, no. The, um, we'll start with your, when you woke up in the field. And you said the field was this big, 10, on a scale of 1 to 10. Well, the field represents your mind. The size of the field indicates how big your knowledge and personality are. And the condition of the field tells us your general feeling about yourself right now, whether you're optimistic and pessimistic. And you said that it was both brown and dry and green and grassy and a little bit of both. And so, um, you know, that kind of indicates that you are processing things in both a positive and an optimistic way, but also perhaps a, um, a realistic way. While you're doing all this, yes, can I just say, I thought I said that it was like in a natural state. So there was a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but it was natural. So the the I feel as though if that field represents, you know, the state of my optimism or pessimism, I'm saying some things are blossoming, some things are naturally cycling and passing through. There's a rhythm and a, that I'm not in control of, but I can just look around and see it. So okay. even if I don't know yeah. where I am, I know that this is okay. This yeah. has got it going on. No, I think that's a that's an excellent correction. Uh, clarification. Clarification, yes. I'm going to ask okay. you to stay away from that word. <laughs> this is not a classroom. <laughs> Jeez. Go ahead. Yes, teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You said that the, uh, the, the weather was sunny, yes. which, you know, tends to reflect your general outlook on life. We did identify loss of, of a memory, so it also might indicate how you're feeling about a specific memory that you've had come up repeatedly. And um, you said it was sunny, but not so sunny. They said there were some clouds because you didn't have any sunscreen. But, you know, if people who say that it is a, or, or that have that sunny outlook, are usually feeling pretty good about life, have a pretty good self-image, which I think is certainly true. Not necessarily free from bad memories, but accepting of your mistakes and eager to put them behind you, which is a good frame of mind to be in. Uh, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Now, you let's talk about a little bit about the hike. And once you started out, well, first of all, the animal, you said that it was something that was non-threatening and you uh, came down to maybe it's a cat. Well, the animal represents a threat to you just as the memory does, right? And the type of animal indicates how big an issue the memory may be for you or if it's dangerous to you. And so in this case, it was not, you did not see it as a threat at all. Now, the direction you decided to walk is interesting because you made a point of not wanting to go in a specific direction, but heading off in a way that felt right, and then checking in to see what direction that was. And heading north means that you're 
being realistic and taking the memory or the hurt head on. The memory may mean that you want to make progress and move forward in life, and you don't want it to define you or hold you back any longer. How far you had to travel indicates how difficult or easy it may be to deal with the problem or the memory that you were having. You said two kilometers, which is a small number on a scale from one to 13, and typical of the rest of your answers, the non-threatening nature, et cetera. It's clear that you're not worried about this issue. You just want to um, get past it. Mm. Now, the tree. Talk a little bit about the tree. And you preferred the red leaves. Uh, you liked them both. You thought you might be initially more drawn to the color of the leaves, et cetera, and the heart-shaped picture frame underneath the tree. And so choosing the red leaves symbolizes new hopes, growth, desires, knowledge, and life. You're focused on your own self-development. The frame with the picture uh, usually means that you feel like your emotions are a bit exposed and feeling vulnerable, although I would say that that contradicts some of the other feelings that you've had earlier. So it may just be that you feel an emotional connection, whether that's sadness or something else for the person that you vaguely recognize in the photo, and you want that to be healed. You want that hurt, whether to them or to you, to be healed. So here's the thing. Aside from whatever psychological insights that your answers provided, they also provided a bit of a, a, a strange congruence. You see, your answers also correspond to a playing card. So you chose the blue backpack, which means your card has a blue back. You chose red leaves, which corresponds to a red-faced card. And you picked the heart-shaped frame or hearts as the suit. And then finally, you provided the value when you picked the distance to the tree as a number between 1 and 13. And so the card that you ended up with, based on your decisions in the story, was a two of hearts with a blue back. So... I'm going to ask you, Charlie, do you believe in signs? I don't think they believe in me, so I don't know why I should believe in them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a stop sign? What kind of sign? Eat at Joe's? Signs from the world, from the universe. I think I see signs everywhere. Okay, good. I think the world is a sign. There you go. Well, I'd like you just to play along and okay. kind of treat the whole adventure as a sign that the universe wants you to be healthy, mm -hmm. wants you to forgive yourself. Sometimes the universe, or if you're spiritual, some higher power, gives us messages, and we don't always interpret them as signs or attach meanings to them. Sometimes we just ignore them. Mm -hmm. But I want you to imagine that I had such a sign. That something told me that out of all the magic effects that I could perform, that I should do this one for you today, Go that you on. needed it. And here's another sign. Mm. You'll see that on the table between us. It just now appeared, yes. Not the table. No, it's been sitting here the whole time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, you just is a deck it. of cards. Yes. And I'm taking a deck of cards out. Yes, yes. And you'll see that the deck is in new deck order. It goes from ace to king of spades. 
ace to king of hearts, ace to king of clubs, and ace to king of diamonds. Correct. All right. Every single card except the jokers, and if you had picked a joker, if you had ended up as a joker with a card, I'm sure that would have told us something too. But um, every single card is represented in the deck that I have before us. And in creating the story today, you made a series of decisions. Did I influence any of those decisions? No. 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 As much as I tried to get you oh, to stay to the story. Right. As much no. as I rambled. Right. You <laughs> no, did not influence I did not. Thank you for choices. that. No, I agree. All the decisions today were your own. And those decisions led to a single card, the two of hearts. And I am now taking the two of hearts out and putting it on the table between us. And I'm spreading the rest of this red-backed deck in front of us. But here's the interesting thing, Charlie. Before you got here, I shuffled a different deck of cards. I shuffled a blue deck of cards, and I picked a card out at random and put it into this pack. You see that all of the cards, except that the card that's face up, your two of hearts, is face up in the center of the table, and all the other cards are face down, and you can see they all have red backs. But your card, the two of hearts, is the only card in the whole deck with a blue back. Which is exactly true. <laughs> Normally, when I'm doing this over Zoom, I would have sent them a pack of cards in advance of doing it. Um, and at this point, I would invite them to take, in, their, in this case, the two of hearts out of the pack of cards that I'd sent to them and tear it up and tear it up as kind of a symbol of their readiness to mm. let go of whatever was standing between them and this and happiness or, or contentment, whether it was, you know, uh, uh, their reaction to an event or to forgive themselves if they hurt somebody else. And typically at that point, the person would tear up the card. And sometimes there are emotional reactions to that. And I can tell that the person has, has taken it seriously. Mm that they wanted to to let go of the the memory. The reason that I do this is what I've found Charlie is that sometimes we all just need someone to tell us that it's okay to let go of something. Uh, we hold on to these things for so long and let them bother us and wake us up at night, etc. And as much as we read and hear about moving on and self-forgiveness, sometimes all we need is just someone to tell us, it's okay. You can let go of that now. You can move on. But that is the topic that I want to explore with you today. So kind of a long setup to get here, but I want to talk to you about self-love and self-forgiveness. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for sharing. Uh, if I were on America's Got Talent, you got it. <laughs> I, I would have said, geez, I don't know how you did that. Um, I suspect there was uh, some, some method. Uh, oh, there's definitely, there's always a method. I'm yeah. not magic. Okay. I just like to imagine that. Right. right. And, and what I do in, in my life is um, understand that the imagination actually has impact 
it makes a difference. It steers my experiences. What I'm imagining, what I'm seeking, I will find. I have to imagine it first a lot of times. Like if you're on the diving board and you have to try to imagine what it's going to feel like to do the dive you're going to do and to hit the water. A lot of people say visualize it, visualize it, imagine it first, imagine it. So if this is helping someone to imagine being able to let go, my experience is that loving yourself involves the idea that, oh, I will make more mistakes. Not only yeah. are my mistakes in the past, I am a mistake-prone machine. Now, the problem is that I don't want to learn. I want to go, I just suck. I just will never get it right. And I fall into some sort of unforgivable state of mind or heart that is a blackness, is a darkness, is a sadness, is a depression, is a place I want to get away from. And I can't because I'm not dealing with the fact that as a human being, not only did I make mistakes, it's probably a mistake for punishing myself for those mistakes, but I don't know it because I've been told I ought to be really sorry for what I just did. And I am, but am I forgiven? The answer is everyone says it, but I don't believe it. Why not? Because I don't believe I'm forgiving myself. And this is where we go to self-love. It involves a measure of forgiveness. Now, we get confused. We think forgiveness looks like a get-out-of-jail-free monopoly card. Like, I said I'm sorry. But a sorry doesn't mean anything unless it is with a commitment to try to do a little better the next time. That's what we call learning. That's not rocket science. It's like seeing what I did and how it just didn't land right or didn't feel right or didn't, you know, express what I wanted to express. So I have to go and clean that up. I say, you know, when I said that I was, I was not at my best, not, that wasn't my most loving moment. Okay. And it hurts. Words matter. Words wound. Words I cannot take back. The one thing I learned as I started to be an adult was if I don't mean it, I best not say it. Yep. And if I say it, I'd best mean it to the best of my ability because I'm going to be held to those words because they will hurt or they will impact. And if I don't mean them, if I just say, oh, only kidding, how many times has that been too late because the damage or the wound or the undoing is like harder than, it's like, geez, can't you take a joke? Well, not when I'm bleeding. I don't find anything funny about that remark. Ouch. That's what I feel, and you're laughing, and then you're telling me I have no sense of humor just because I don't let you cut me like that? So I want to be careful, not afraid, but I want to mean what I say, so I better look at what I'm actually feeling. Do I mean the words I'm saying? And that's what awareness is. I don't mind talking. I just don't want to not mean what it is I'm saying. So that means I have to feel for it. What do I really feel that I'm trying to express? 
if you don't hang me up on a word, that's very loving of you. Because words, you know, again, even the word love, even the word forgiveness, it's different in your dictionary, your lexicon, your thesaurus of cinnamons, uh, cinnamons. <laughs> cinnamons, so wow. That... Right. <laughs> I'd rather have cinnamons than cinnamons. <laughs> Anyways, I'd probably boggle that right there. He's going to edit it out if he Not doesn't. Not that. I'm leaving that in, baby. <laughs> That was great. But that's my humanity. Yeah, exactly. I, I am not upset about that, nor am I embarrassed, nor do I go, what the heck? I don't care. This is how I get to be loved and love. I can make a mistake, even a little verbal miscue like that, and go, somebody's going to think I'm stupid. Somebody's going to think I don't know the difference between a seasoning and a different kind of word that says the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what people are going to think out there? I know how fast my brain can start thinking. So I have to feel. What was Charlie feeling for right there? And he was trying to feel for the fact that don't hang me on a word, even the way I pronounce a word. Don't hang me at all. Feel for me. Feel for what it is I'm trying to describe or express or kind of like get you in the ballpark of what we might then say, yeah, it feels like that to me too. As opposed to, well, let's hammer out the definitions here. It's like writing a contract. Like, well, when I say the word is, what do you mean by the word is? And that kind of conversation we all hate. That's not really having that's a not chat. real talking no. no so charles you started off by describing a scenario in which we are judging ourselves we've talked in the past about not judging others and you know being uh, mindful of giving people opportunities to make mistakes etc but we really don't often talk about it from the standpoint of judging yourself why first of all why don't we? And then second, it's almost easier to stop myself from judging others than it is to stop myself from judging myself. Oh. And, you know, part of that, and, you know, I, I started off by talking a little bit about corporate culture mm -hmm. and part of why this is, has proven to be kind of an effect, effective experiment in uh, some of the corporate culture work I do is because that idea of accountability and judging yourself are so inextricably bound in corporate culture where everybody has got to be accountable for absolutely everything. And to some people, what that means, the way they interpret it is, I can't let myself off the hook. I messed up and now I have to make myself pay for it. And guess what? 40 years later, I'm still paying for it. Mm -mm. But you're the only one who knows you're paying for it. Everyone else yes. figures you're done with it. Yes. So this is the nature of um, being stuck in thoughts and emotions are not compartmentalized. They are connected, intimately part of the same dynamic of my awareness. My thoughts have feelings and my feelings have thoughts. They're chicken and eggs. I don't know which comes first, and it honestly doesn't matter, but I yin and yang between them all the time. If I try to separate them distinctly, I have two, I have taken things apart, and I can't understand the one without knowing how it interacts with the other. Mm 
And the minute I separate them, I think, oh, it's easier to deal with thinking. So let me deal with that first. And then I'll get to my feelings. And guess what? My thinking never lets me go. I start thinking about what I'm feeling and not feeling. And then asking myself, what do I think about this feeling? Do I think it's growing me? Or do I think it's... So my thinking is in line with my feelings, not getting my feelings in line with my thinking. It's a backwards way of doing it. And I just have a post I recently wrote about learning backwards or backwards learning. I'm very good at it, apparently. In the real world, they call it reverse engineering. It exists. It's a very, very time-honored and good way to learn something. That's what my brain's good at. My brain is taking me back to an experience or a moment and saying, okay, what else was here? I know what I thought about when I was there, but I couldn't possibly, given my selective attention, I couldn't possibly have seen the 360 of what was here. So I took X, Y, and Z from here, but where is A and where's F and where's Q? They're in there somewhere because every experience contains a lot more than just what I pulled out of it. How do I know? Because when we have the same experience, you pull out 18 different letters and I pull out these and, and we share letters, but we're not trying to compare and compete. We're trying to get to know each other and see the bigger picture. Your 18 add to my 14 or two, whatever I'm paying attention to. And we see a fuller picture of what we just experienced together. But if I'm thinking, no, 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 don't look at it that way. Look at it the way I saw it. You're like, I can do that, but that's not what I did. Are you interested in me or you just want me to come and pay attention to you? Is this a friendship? Is it mutual? Or is it a one-way street? And I have a hard time as a good-natured person saying no to one-way streets driving right at me. But I have to say, oh, 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 wait a minute. If this isn't a two-way street, we're going to have to do some paving. I'm going to have to come out at you as well as let you come out at me. And if you want to come out in certain ways... I'm going to come out in certain ways too, and it's got to be okay. Otherwise, you're going to drive off and I'm going to go, I wonder where they went. It's just because you didn't want to stay on, you didn't want to have a two-way street. You wanted me to be a certain way for you, one way for you. And I go, ah, that's not a relationship. That's a run over. (laughs) And I don't get steamrolled anymore. I just don't. I know how to get out of the way. Oop, there's a steamroller. <laughs> it can be a bullet train. I say, yeah, I see you coming. I see you coming 18 miles away. Don't worry about it. You're not going to hit me. I'm not going to be there when you get here. I'm going to be somewhere, but I'm not going to be right in front of you because I know where you're going and I'm not there. No. So there's no argument in my world anymore. I don't take what you're expressing to me, even if it's a one-way dump. Like criticism, like, who do you think you are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I go, yeah, I've heard it all before. And all I think I am is someone trying to get to know you a little better and listening to you tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm okay with that. And eventually you're going to say, how come you're not fighting back? And I'll say, I've got no fight left in me for you. I just don't. I just love you. If you need to get this stuff out, get it out. And it's okay. So I take you to that 
forgiveness spot and say, I forgive you already for criticizing me or thinking poorly of me. I'm not taking offense, even though you want to appear to give it. It takes two to fight. Now, I'm not going to agree with you when you're telling me what a shit I am, because that's not how I feel about you, and I'm sorry you feel that about me, but I'll listen to it. I have been shitty. I have been an asshole, but I'm not that on a regular basis. I can be that on a regular basis, but on a regular basis, I do the best I can every time I can. Sometimes I fall flat down, and I need somebody not to step on me when I fall down. I would like somebody to reach out, as you have many times, Cap, to me and other people. You don't say, get up, you fool. You say, are you okay, and how can I help? That's why we're friends. Yeah. When we're talking about accountability, I think one of the things that comes up is that people believe that uh, they they can't forgive themselves because they have to be accountable, you know, to some standard, et cetera. And yet, the only way to really get past things is to be accountable and to take accountability for whatever your involvement was. And sometimes that involvement is something you did intentionally or unintentionally to, to somebody. Knowingly or unknowingly. Yeah. And sometimes it's just the way you reacted to something, right? And we hold that against ourselves that, oh, why did I react that way, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But that level of accountability really has to be there for true self-forgiveness. The difference is, I think you need to hold yourself accountable and then say to yourself, I've learned from it and I'm going to try and do better tomorrow or the next time this comes up. And so rather than having this level of accountability that says, oh, if I ever let myself off the hook here, then I'm not truly being accountable. We, we need that level. We need to accept responsibility for whatever part it is that we are imperfect humans so that we can put it behind us and get to a point where we're actually saying, yes, I did something there that I wish I hadn't done, but next time I'm in that situation, I've learned from it and I'm going to hopefully do a little bit better job this, this next time. What I have experience is that, let's say for, I'll give you a very clear example. I have a glass of milk. I don't have it in front of me, but if I had a glass of milk and I spilled it right now, the very first thing I want to do is say, oh, I'm so stupid. I should have been more careful. I'm so sorry. I hope that doesn't go on the carpet. I start apologizing like crazy for spilling milk. And I'm 70 years old. I've spilled milk my whole life and it has never made me a bad person. It has never made me a careless person. It has never made me a stupid person. It has never made me anything bad. But what I tell myself every time I spill milk, I feel like I'm the first time I ever spilled it. Like I go back to that emotional reproach that I felt like somebody's going to be mad. Not me. I am not mad. I just spilled milk. But I know. Someone is going to look at that and 
admonish me. So I try to clean it up as fast as I can. And that is, we call human, but it's, it's not. It's because I've been conditioned already by the age two or three to know that if I'm not careful, I get schwacked verbally and maybe otherwise. And so I start living trying not to make mistakes as opposed to, geez, I should be more careful. Like that's not a judgment. That's just like I'd like to learn. But it's because I'm afraid to make a mistake because somebody else is going to schwack me that I schwack myself first. And this is how we phrase it. Nobody's harder on myself than I am. And proud of it, right? It's a source (laughs) of pride. And do you know why? Because we believe that if we can be that hard, we'll be prepared for whatever else somebody else might say that would hurt. It's armor. So it's a way of armoring. But what we're doing is making ourselves bleed constantly yeah. so nobody else can cut us worse than we do. Yeah. That's not a way to learn. So if I'm not judging myself to begin with, if it's just a spilt milk and I clean it up, that's being accountable. But all of the emotional overlays and all the intellectual, better be careful, more careful, better concentrate on everything. Because I make mistakes everywhere. I I tripped over a shoelace. I should have tied that better. You know, a tire goes flat. I should have checked the air sooner. You know, everything I do that I think went wrong, I am constantly saying, "I'm, I'm not getting it right. 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 And I'm living under the stress of my own making thinking I'm just trying to be a good person. No, I'm not trying to be good. I'm trying to live up to some standard of goodness that I've adopted from elsewhere. From elsewhere. These are not my standards. This is not how I want to feel towards myself. So self-love and self-forgiveness, what you're suggesting is that they start really with a mindset an approach to life. I mean, forget about what happens afterwards. Uh, You know, all the psychologists will tell you how to fix what happens afterwards. What you're saying is it's really a mindset first. Right. Allow it to be what it was. Don't judge it. The milk got spilled. What would I like to do now? Do I want to watch it drip? Do I want to try to cover it up? What would I like to do over the event? Not a judgment. Not, it's not wrong. I mean, if that's the last of the milk, chances are I would have been a lot more careful with it to begin with, but I won't go there. I'll just say, if that was the last of the milk, I will have to say, boy, that sucks. Now what? Not, I'm going to sit here and cry. That's why we got the saying, don't cry over spilt milk. Decide what else you're going to do. But don't say... I'm never going to spill milk again because that's a lie. Yes. So I made a mistake. I cleaned it up and I don't tell myself I'll never make that mistake again. I can't say that. But when I don't and I can't, I say to myself, then I must be, I must be flawed. If, if I shouldn't spill milk and I know I will spill milk, I, there must be something wrong with me. I make mistakes all the time, even though I know better than to make this mistake and I spill it anyways. I know I shouldn't say this to my wife when she does that and I say it anyways and all hell breaks loose for another three days and I go, when am I going to learn? 
And I just can't stop myself. And that's when I start feeling really, really negative towards myself because the people I love, I've hurt unintentionally, of course, but I do. And then I feel bad about that. So my whole self starts to feel unforgivable. My humanity okay, feels but unforgivable. But so you're really talking, it seems to me, and I want to make sure that I understand this because I thought that I had a mental breakthrough, not breakdown this time, but a mental breakthrough when you talked about this mindset beforehand. Right. Okay. But now you're talking about this constant beratement when we don't live up to our own ideal, even though we recognize that I've made this mistake over and over again and I keep doing it. And every time I do, I feel a little bit worse, et cetera. So do me a favor and try to pull these two things together for me. It's real simple. And thank you for that, though. I mean, it's an excellent clarification. What happens then is for me is that I see the milk, I see the mistake, and I allow for it. That's the openness of the moment. Oh, the milk spilled. And I did it. If somebody saw me, I don't look up and say, geez, that was stupid of me. I look up and say, yep, do you know where the paper towels are? Or somebody will look at me and say, I'll go get something and somebody else does that. And all of a sudden, it's not about me feeling bad about making the mistake. It's about that happened. So when I approach my everyday life, as I walk through my day, and you've heard me say this before, I wake up this morning fully expecting to make mistakes and not feeling badly for it. Where I feel badly is when I don't learn. And when I try to do it by myself, learn by myself, my progress can be made, but it tends to be slow. Even if I read a good book about this problem, I'm still reading it with the reader's mind that is the problem. I don't get a fresh, I get some ideas, but that doesn't mean like, how do I apply that idea to my life in this moment? So where do we get the help? We need each other. We get the help from a live feedback. Oh, but Charlie, you're, you, you are, you are unfortunately infinitely rare. <laughs> so we all need a Charlie or somebody that we can trust and be completely open with so that we can allow ourselves to make mistakes. But that's not, uh, I mean, from your lips, hopefully one day that will be the majority, but that is not the majority out there. So well, I, I, again, I don't know. I wish I knew. I, I don't, that the people who are behaving out there, are the people who are the most confused and the most angry. It's like the greasy wheel. You know, they get, I mean, the, the squeaky, squeaky wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because they got greased. So, so the person who complains the loudest gets the most attention. And every psychologist will tell you somebody who's insecure. Doesn't matter if it's negative attention or positive attention. As long as I'm getting attention, I feel like I'm getting something of what I need. Please see me. If I have to act poorly in order for you to see me, okay, because when I act good, everybody thinks that that's how I should be. So I don't really get much attention when I act good. And I believe there's a lot of people who've been acting really good out there. 
But what we really see is all the people who are acting not so good out there. So I think the really good out there are understanding that we really have to get involved, that this is serious. We really have to stand up for our goodness. Not knock somebody down, but just say, oh, no, that's enough. And we are. We're doing what we can. We're doing a podcast with the hopes of doing something helpful in some form or fashion. I don't know if it's going to be one person that's going to make a big difference or 100,000 people who are each going to make tiny differences. It all adds together to love. So we start from love, we end in love, we grow love, and we stop finding fault. We start asking, what hurts? How long have you felt this way? Who have you talked to about it? I've heard about this. You've heard about that. Rather than judging each other, like, why are you so messed up? You just go, looks like you're as stuck as I am. Have you heard anything that might help? Well, I've heard, uh, you know, this. And so two people start talking. And when two people earnestly and honestly start talking, love shows up. All right. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do one of my classic real life examples. (laughs) So you may, well, you don't need a picture. You probably have seen it, but, um, so I did all the right things and your, your glass of milk example made me think of this, but I, usually have a large glass, a large Yeti cup of iced tea Mm. and carry it around with me. And I've told, you know, the boys for years that, you know, no open drinks allowed upstairs. So I had my Yeti cup and it was all covered up, filled to the brim and was upstairs here doing something and went downstairs and the cup hit the banister just right came out of my hand, hit the first step, and immediately the lid came off, <laughs> and iced tea, we had just had the the walls painted, right, and iced tea everywhere, all the way down, and in thinking about that, uh, I didn't blame myself because I felt like I had done the right things and accidents happen. You know, I didn't intentionally drop it. I didn't have it precariously balanced somewhere. It was in my hand. It just hit the banister just right and came out of my hand. The cover came off. But here's the thing. Here's the real life example part of this. Uh, and I'm going to try and bring this around to uh, to some kind of meaningful metaphor. So forgive me if I if I bungle it along the way. But there are stains on the carpet that will never come out. And we're going to have the you know stuff uh, redone here after we take care of a few other projects in the house. But he, every single time, every single time I go up those stairs, I don't blame myself, but I regret that it happened. I wish it hadn't had, have happened, right? Mm. And the only thing that's going to stop that is to get new carpeting. Oh my God. Oh, sorry for using that word. Um, Oh my gosh. No, 
No, that's, no. Oh, that's the least spiritual thing, the, the stupidest thing I've ever. No, no, no. I'm using it as a metaphor. So sorry for you. No. Sometimes you have to put stuff in the past. The, the very first thing I would like for you, to, I would not get rid of that carpet and still, until you can walk past it without a smile. <laughs> you have to be able to look at that and just smile and go, yeah. But until it brings a smile to your face because it was a lesson, that was that carpet's your teacher right now. <laughs> your spiritual teacher where you're emotionally stuck in an unforgiving moment. I don't feel like I'm emotionally stuck. Every time you look at it, you go, I don't want to see that anymore. <laughs> I want new carpet. I don't want to be reminded. No, I just, I, I, it is, a, I, first of all, I wouldn't get new carpeting just for that reason, but there is, I, I am sorry that it happened. Again, I don't blame myself, but I'm sorry that it, it happened. I'm glad that it happened because you need to learn this. <laughs> okay. All right. Teach me, teacher. Well, <laughs> when the mistake happens. And by the way, that was a correction he gave me. It was not a clarification. That was absolutely a correction. <laughs> and I stand corrected. <laughs> there was no clarification there either. <laughs> but which is wonderful because I want to be corrected when I overstep. I want to uh, have a banter that isn't a about being, that just hurt my feelings. I mean, <laughs> right. It's okay. I have feelings. They will get hurt. I get over them. I don't have to be crushed. I can be like, oh, well, this is a good give and take. I am not fragile. <laughs> I am not what I, I helicopter my own feelings. Like I hover over them going, oh, you can handle this, can handle this, can handle, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. This might be too much. This is the one that breaks me. This is the one that changes everything. I don't know, but I helicopter hover over all of my emotions. Like, oh, gotta be careful, gotta be careful, gotta be careful. And my emotions are like, will you let me work some out? Will you let me get stronger by exercising and feeling what these are? Or are you just gonna keep me juvenile? Are you just going to let me not grow up and be an adult? And the only one that's doing that is my thinking. I'm, I don't know. I don't know anything about my feelings, so they could break at any moment. Let me tell you to be careful. And my feelings are going, I don't feel like I want to be careful. I feel like I want to know what this is. And my thinking goes, you've never done that before. I don't know how to help you with those. And my feeling goes, yeah, you, you got a good point there. You usually my go-to. So I go to you again. And what do you say? Leave it alone. I don't know what it is either. Leave it alone. Let's go think about something else. Who's on the TV? Who's playing games? Who's doing what to entertain me or distract me? I go off thinking about something else and I never get around to feeling. What was that feeling about every time I see that brown tea stain on the carpet? What is that feeling? I want to change the carpet. I don't blame myself. Okay, granted. But what is that feeling that has you like, I just got to change the carpet. There's something underneath. No, and so I was using it as a metaphor that, we need, that we need to figure out how to get past things and have, call it a fresh start, but a fresh mental outlook where we're not holding ourselves to blame for everything that, that happens in the world. Mm. And so it was mm. perhaps a bungled metaphor oh, no, trying no, 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 to, no. to get there, but let's, let's do it. Let's examine why or what. So how is, 
I, I guess I don't understand how that's any different from, again, even if I were to move past it, you know, I don't blame myself. I've forgiven myself, even though, you know, and let's say that I intentionally dropped the tea, you know, I got mad and I no. threw the tea or what, you know, let's, but you know, I've forgiven myself, et cetera. I've learned from it and, you know, not to act out in anger and, and all of that kind of stuff. There is still going to be moments, even if you change the carpet, where you walk up that back staircase and you think, Oh, remember that time. That's not, that doesn't mean it's that you're burying a feeling there. It just means that you're having memories that come from being in that spot. Okay. Which is not the same thing as not forgiving yourself. You can have a recollection that has no longer energy surrounding it. Right. It's not good or bad. It wasn't like that was $5,000. I could have used better elsewhere or whatever. So, I mean, there's lots of levels that I can feel like, I wish that hadn't happened on. So if you're not blaming yourself emotionally or as a human being for having that serendipitous happening, I can't even call it an accident. It was unexpected for sure, but there it was. Right. When I want to revisit it, I want to make sure it's just with the idea of, yeah, life changes in a blink, doesn't it? I thought I was just going to go downstairs and make a cup of coffee or, you know, whatever. And I spent two hours cleaning sticky iced tea as best I can off fresh walls and new carpet. And I did it and I'm good with it. Now that I see the brown, I go, yeah, soon enough, I'll replace it. But there's no bad muju or vuju or whatever you want to call it around it. So that's why I say you're not feeling stuck with that unless you keep going. Will I ever spill carpet? No, 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 no. I know I'll spill something again. (laughs) Okay. So you're forgiving yourself for being a spiller. See, So there's the incident of spilling and then the fact that we can be spillers. And it's the fact that I can be mistake prone or a spiller or whatever that I still feel distasteful. Like, I wish I didn't have to make mistakes. There's something about me that would prefer to be beyond reproach. And that is a form of perfectionism. You will call it in business accountability. I say that perfectionism is coupled with outside peer pressure competition And it just becomes toxic. We try to keep up or one-up. That's the nature of competition. Keep up or one-up. Time and time and time and time and time and time again. And it's exhausting. I want to learn from you and not take from you. I want to give as much as I get. And I don't know how that's going to happen, except I just open up completely and say, take what you need. Ask me any question at any time, and I'll do my best to show you what I found or show you what I think you might be going through if you, you know, want to know. If you don't want to know, you won't ask me. But first, you get curious about me. Like, how did you get this way is a question you asked me on the tennis court one time. Like, you're just such an anomaly. You're just like, I want to know more about how you made it through this far 
with this good yeah, attitude. Yeah, I still do. <laughs> <laughs> and and I tell you, it's as mysterious to me sometimes as it is maybe to the outside. But I know that this was my path. This is just the way I had to be. And I don't know how I know that, except I kept following the feeling that felt like opening me up towards love and staying away from trying to pretend I'm perfect or wanting to be perfect in order to be completely lovable. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be self-sufficient in order to be strong. I don't. And I don't have to know best in order to know some. And if you know some and I know some, I find that's better than any one of us knowing best. I may probably not agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So this is how I got to be as messed up as I am. No, not messed up. So uh, just to wrap up today's episode, Charlie, any steps, anything concrete that people can start doing to get in that frame of mind, either ahead of time where we're not blaming ourselves, where we're accepting our mistakes. So for you, uh, your path, what was your method for getting in the frame of mind where you accept fallibility in yourself and others? Well, it showed up so regularly in my day that I had to just say, stop trying to say it's not happening. You just you just really make mistakes. So rather than saying, try harder not to, which shuts me down, I say, lean into them. So how do I lean into learning about mistakes? I make one on purpose and see how I feel. I do something differently. Like I leave the milk out and it goes bad. And I, I know, I know it's out there. I know the milk is on the counter going bad, and I let it. Didn't overlook it. I'm going to lose a buck forty nine worth of milk. Oh, it's probably not that much. I probably got it down near the bottom anyway. So I'm going to lose twenty five cents worth of milk. But the idea of letting something deliberately go bad so it's unusual anymore. Oh, it was torture. It brought up all sorts of conditioned responses and arguments in my head. From financial to, every, ooh, yeah. Every to, which way. Yeah. Oh, if you start doing it here, where else are you going to do it? Yeah. I mean, it just blows up. So just do one thing that you consider a mistake and watch the committee come out and like piranha, pick every, every ounce of goodness off your bones. Not just in the past. Not just right now, but you will go down the road that is the beginning of the end. You will start letting everything go. What else is going to spoil? Oh, you're Mr. Affluent. You can afford to spoil milk. I mean, I start judging myself on a million. There are people who are, and I don't mean to say this in any way cavalierly, but there are people who are starving, and I know that, and I'm not. So it goes against everything about that to leave sure. something spoil. So if I accidentally left milk out and I looked at it and said, ah, hmm, I should be more careful. Is an, an admonishment 
or a reminder. One has a lot of emotional baggage and judgment, and the other is just, you're human, you left it out. Be mindful. Learn from this. Just be mindful. You know, do a visual sweep before you leave the room. Did I leave anything out that needs to go in? It's as simple as that. But I don't have to think every time I leave the room, must search for every, you know, just do casual search. That's mindful enough. So that is what I find most people think. Uh, I don't, they get distracted with some thinking about something else and that's why the milk stayed on the counter. Something else happened and took them away. And, and so even though it wasn't my fault necessarily, I still want to blame myself because the milk spoiled. So even when it's innocently done, I still find a way to make myself like feel bad. And I go around feeling bad about almost every decision I make if I'm not living with the idea that I'm doing the best I can and I just don't know. I'm probably going to hurt somebody or leave something out somewhere many times today. But my intention is never to do that. And I have to own it if, I, if you tell me that hurt or, you know, you just wasted that. I'll ask you, you know. Thanks. I, do, I wouldn't have known that. I wasn't paying attention or I got distracted. And I need your forgiveness and I need to forgive myself. It's equal. Equal, equal, equal. What goes out goes in. If I can't forgive myself, there's no chance I'm going to be able to forgive you. I will tell you I forgive you, but I'm keeping score somewhere. I want to forgive myself and be clean and whole and fresh every day. All right. Well, thanks very much. Appreciate the conversation as always today, uh, Charlie. I appreciate it too. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please rate, follow, or subscribe and review. You can find more of Charles's writings on his blog at owningourselves.com and more of my work at liveforwonder.com. Thanks for listening. We hope your journey is filled with wonder and that every day brings a little kindness. Be good to each other. <laughs>